Exodus chapter 15. Let's get started. Let me give you, let me briefly remind, we have been in Jude. Praise God for Jude. I love what God's doing in our church right now. Exodus has been awesome for us as a people. Jude was amazing, reminding us, yeah, there are ding-dongs even in the church, and you got to contend for the faith. Uh, at the end of this year, Advent, we're going into Revelation. We're going to be doing the seven churches in Revelation. That's going to be an amazing uh, time for us. And then next year, after our vision series, we're going to start the book of 1 Corinthians. Or as Donald Trump says, 1 Corinthians is my favorite book. <laughs> that dude's never read Corinthians. <laughs> I just made a bunch of people mad. I'm sorry. I'll throw an Obama joke in. We'll all be on the same page again. I'm back. <laughs> Equal opportunity offender. Uh, what was, oh, little, little recap. Little recap here. Chapter 15 is, is different from the first 14 chapters. It's written completely differently because it's a song. First 14 chapters are prose, it's narrative, it's telling a story. Well, now this song tells a story too, but it's written differently. It's, it's the first, this is the first. Now it's not the first song in the Bible because when God shows Adam Eve, God creates, puts Adam to sleep, takes his rib, creates a whoa man and, and presents her to Adam. Adam actually sings the song. He says, this is Flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. Adam likes what he sees, sings a little love song to her. But this is the first actual psalm in Scripture. Now, we got a whole book of psalms that is the hymn book. I don't know how you grew up, but when I grew up, it was a redback hymnal. Some of you had greenback hymnals, blueback hymnals. I've, I've seen about every color in all the churches I've been able to visit. But uh, the psalms is the hymn book of God's people. But this is the first one. They still say, they call it the song of the sea. They still sing it today. And it is in its Hebrew construction. It is a masterpiece. You know, when you talk to uh, linguists and people who specialize in uh, Semitic languages or uh, specialize in ancient literature, there's a lot of, especially in our Old Testament, there's a lot that they would just say, this is masterful stuff. This is, this is Leonardo. This is the masters. This, this is masterpiece material. Now, there's a lot that gets lost in chapter 15 from the, as it's translated into English. So I'm going to try to do my best uh, to help us kind of pool uh, some of the original strophic structure uh, here uh, to give us some context. But before we pray, before we get started, hear me when I say this. Exodus began with Egyptians taking babies from Israel and throwing them into the Nile River. We worked all the way through to chapter 14. And what we saw is there's different bodies in the water now. It's now no longer uh, uh, Israelite babies. It is the greatest powerful army on planet Earth at the time. It's their bodies that are in the water. It's their bodies that are, that are washing up on the beach, and then we get to chapter 15, where God's people sing praise to his name. Now, it's been five weeks, and there's a lot going on in our world, and I've got a lot to say. 
I paced around my room yesterday and I had, I had vented for two hours before I even got to the text. There's a lot I'd like to provide commentary on, but what God kept speaking into me yesterday as I tried to focus and tried to get back to Exodus chapter 8, this is important for us. So I actually have a title for this sermon. And it's what I kept hearing yesterday in my head as I was, I wanted to talk about this, that, and the other, and politics, blah, blah, blah. What I kept hearing is, shut up and praise God. So this morning, the title of this sermon is, shut up and praise God, which is what we see happening here in this text. Let's pray and we'll get to it. I don't know where my time has gone already. Lord Jesus, you are good. Every person in here created by you, special to you, loved by you. Father, and you have spoken. May they hear your word. May they know you better. May they see you for who you are. May they remember the mighty works your hands have done. And may they walk out of here with a bigger, stronger, more powerful faith in their heads and in their hearts that they may serve you well. It is in Jesus' name we pray these things. And everybody, every Christian said, amen. Amen. Bodies dead everywhere. Broken pieces of chariots floating on the Red Sea. What do God's people do? Then, underline it, Moses and the people of Israel sang. Underline it. Draw a little line from sang to then because saying is an imperfect verb that is connected to what immediately happened after the Red Sea crashed down and killed a bunch of Egyptians. Spoiler alert. A lot of people don't like this, but God kills people. And he's not done. There's going to be, he's killed a lot of people. There's going to be a lot more he's going to kill. I've read Revelation. What do God's people do? They shriek in horror. (gasps) This is so terrible. Why would God do something like that? No, their immediate and spontaneous response to seeing the act of God in defeating their enemies is to their immediate response is relief from all of the injustice they have suffered and that relief turns to joy in a moment and spontaneously in that moment they sing a song of praise to God we're going to talk more about this I want to unpack that all morning long Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we live in a world that has no fear of the Lord. you got to understand. You may not like to say it, but you've got to understand. God kills people. God and his people have enemies. Who are God's enemies? Anyone who's chosen friendship with the world over friendship with God. James 4.4. Choose to be a friend of this world. You be, you be 
is it's enmity, the Bible says, toward God. You become his enemy. God's people, people who hate God, guess what? They hate his people. Like the Egyptians hated Israel. And God is patient for a while because he is a loving God. He, wants, he, he doesn't want the destruction of the wicked. He wants everyone to turn and to be saved. But the reality is God is only patient for so long. Eventually that wick is blown out and he brings his swift hand of justice and judgment down upon the unrighteous. And when he does, God's people rejoice. Now Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying, I will sing to the Lord, Yahweh, for he has triumphed gloriously. Now just underline that little word he and, and let me tell you why. Because I was just in San Antonio last week for a, a church conference, denominational conference where pastors are sitting on the floor discussing, you guessed it, the pronouns of God. Now you know why I've been yelling all morning. Because we live in a world so intelligent, so smart, we don't know the difference between boys and girls anymore. You can be whatever. You want to be a unicorn? Just, man, if you think it, you believe it, you go. There is, I wanted to preach so bad four weeks ago when I heard this story. Because we have governmental leaders who are not only confused about their own sexuality, but have devolved into perverted practices. This guy brags, a man in our government brags about his dog. He likes for somebody to put a collar on him and walk him around like he's a dog. And people celebrate. Woo! Praise God. Look at this great world we live in where if you feel like a dog, you can be a dog. But that is a person. You can't, we can't celebrate a person like that. It's not good for them. To celebrate that because they are sick. That's twisted, unnatural, ungodly. And if somebody doesn't tell him the truth, he's going to be a dead body on the beach because God's not going to put up with that forever. We need to fear the Lord again, for he has triumphed God's pronouns. You can't say God is mother. You can't pray, Mother God. Seminary professors are trying to convince pastors like me that God is mother. Why not? She, 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 she. Here's why not, because every time a pronoun is used for God in the Bible, it's always in the masculine. That Jesus told us to pray to God our Father. And how God has revealed himself to us. We don't get to change. We honor God by respecting the way he has revealed himself. He says he's he, so we say he. Anybody that doesn't want to do that, there's a church down the street that you'll probably like way better. We... 
And for, for years, we've been talking about, we've just been sl- sliding things under the rug. Ah, oh, what's the big deal? It, it was just like 2007 when all political parties agreed that marriage is an institution between a man and a woman. That's not that long ago, you know? That's not that long ago. And, and guys like me kept saying, man, if you redefine this thing that's been forever in every culture, in every institution, everybody has understood what marriage is. If you redefine it now, which happened just a year later, I think. Redefined it. And I kept slippery slopes. This is going to happen. This is gonna... No, no, that's never, that's never going to happen. It's been 10 years. Look how the world has changed just since we redefined marriage. Now we don't even know the difference between boys and girls. And we're transing children. Because you know a six-year-old knows exactly everything that it's going to be for the rest of his life. This matters. Fear of God, we've got to get it back. Because he has a strong right hand that he brings down on the wicked. And when he does, we're not shocked in horror. We celebrate and we worship him for his just goodness. He has thrown the horse and his rider. He has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation Salvation is found in him. Remember, there, there's a sea on this side and there's an army on this side. And there is no hope for God's people. There's nowhere for them to go, trapped like rats. But the Lord, you may feel that way this morning, just trapped, rock, hard place, nothing good. But the Lord is salvation. He We're going to see in a second. It doesn't take much for God's will to occur. And when he speaks, things happen and we rejoice. This is my God. I will praise him. Underline that word praise. When we hear the word praise today, we think we come in, we sing songs, we raise hands. And that's part of it. But this is actually a military word. It means, uh, a better translation would be, I will decorate him. I've been watching the terminal list, and man, it's awesome. Nobody? You should watch it. It's awesome. What do we do to our brave men and women serving our country when they go off, and they win wars, and they win battles, and they serve? They come back heroes. And what do we do with heroes? We decorate them. We we make them stand before their peers and we put medals on their chest. And the more color they have, the more honor is bestowed to them. This is what we as the church are to do in this world. We are to decorate our God so that all will see and know that he is to be honored and he is to be respected. This is how we praise him This is how we make his name great again in our land. It's funny to me 
God's on everything. He's on our money. He's in our mottos. He's in our pledge. But nobody knows God, Yahweh, anymore. It's our job to decorate Him so that people remember the honor that is due Him. I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. God is a generational God. God has a people. And you are part of that people. And listen, it's not just about you. Men and women have gone before us and given their lives for the gospel, to preserve God's word for future generations. How dare we sit in Starbucks and not speak God's truth? That people have bled and died to give us. There's something we've got to understand as Christians living in this day and age in which we live. We can't be the nice people anymore. People are going to hate you when you speak truth to them. It's going to happen. But the fear of man is a snare. And truth is truth, whether people want to hear it or not. We cannot disrespect all of those who have given their lives in the service of God because we want somebody to like us. I told second service, bring me your slurs. I will wear them like badges. Bring your transphobic. Bring it on. Which, by the way, doesn't even make sense. Any kind of phobia is an irrational fear of something. I uh, do not have an irrational fear of trans people. Just so you know, I'm not scared of any trans person at all. I mean, if a dude's wearing a dress, I think I can take him. (laughs) All the words, they don't even, they they have... Screwed up the English language so much, no word has any meaning at all anymore. So let them say what they will say as we stand for truth. God's truth that has been paved in not only the blood of our fathers and mothers, but in the blood of Christ himself. They didn't like him. They're not going to like you. Get over it and speak truth. Decorate him. The only way people can repent and believe is if they first hear truth. Romans chapter 10, how can they hear? There's not a preacher. That word preacher there is not a, it's not an official role. It's all of us speaking the gospel, decorating God who deserves and is worthy of us repeating to the next generation what he has done. The Lord, I love this, verse 3. The Lord is a man of war. Some of your translations will say the Lord is a warrior. I don't know what you think of God, but I've talked to a lot of people who have the wrong image of God in their mind. They see God as an old feeble man with a long white beard, or they see Christ as some hippie who wears a dress and had long hair and only passed out flowers.
We have emasculated God. We have feminized God. But God will not allow. God is, get this image. God is a warrior. God is James Reese times infinity. Terminal list. (laughs) Think of the greatest, baddest, heaviest, strongest, never been defeated dude you can think of in the world. And understand that God is infinitely greater and stronger and bigger and never loses a fight. He is not an inch taller than we are. He is God Almighty, creator of all that is. You ask anybody on the street. You've probably invited people to this church who have left and gone, nah, that's, he's too jealous for me. Because what, what's the, what's the, can't say anything hard. God would never raise his voice like that. I've heard somebody actually, God would never. Have you read the Bible? There's a bunch of dead people here. What is it? No, God is, God is love. It's just all love. And even though what I'm doing, he calls an abomination, he calls sin. Hey, he loves me and he, he supports me and everything that I do. God is just love, 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 love. God is love. But he is also a warrior. And you're either on team Jesus or you're not. And by the way, if you're on team Jesus, you live, like Martin Luther said, a life of repentance when we read about sin in the Bible and realize we are doing what God said not to do. We've stepped out of bounds. We repent. We say, forgive me. I'm sorry. This is hard for me, though. Help me. Give me strength. I don't want to sin against you. You're my God. We repent. We return to Christ. It's what the Christian life is. Christians aren't perfect, but they are repentant. God is love, but he is also just. And your sin, he will not sweep under the rug and give you a get out of hell free card. I was mush. Shut up. Praise God. He is a man of war. The Lord, Yahweh, is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea. His chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. That's a poetic device, simile, like a stone. It comes up three times. Uh, like lead, like a stone here, like lead in verse 10, and then as a stone again in verse uh, 16. The enemy has no chance to stand against God. I don't know if you've ever taken a stone. Now, if you get a flat stone, you might can skip it along the water a couple times. But what do stones always do when they meet water? Sink. Have you ever thrown a block of lead into a pool and it floated? No. All God's enemies are like stones. Most powerful army in the world. All the choice chariots. All his other wooden chariots. Greatest, most powerful military force on the planet. Like a rock hitting water. Sinks. 
It looked like God's people didn't have a chance. But it was Pharaoh's army that never had a chance. This is who God is. You don't have a chance to stand against him. And all of your, man, can we justify what we want. But all of our justifications and all of our excuses, when it's our turn to stand before him, oh, they are going to fall to the ground and be shattered like glass. There is nothing you can say. There is nothing you could do. You better hope you're covered by the blood of Jesus in that day. Because if any of your trust is in anything else, like a stone, are you going to sink to the bottom? Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Yahweh, shatters the enemy. Like the screen on your cell phone. I have changed screens so many times. I just, ugh. But like glass hitting the floor, it's, shat- it's not just broken. It's not just defeated. It is shattered. This is what God does to his enemies. We need some good sermons on hell nowadays, don't we? In the greatness of your majesty... You overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. Look at verse 8 and verse 10. This is so awesome. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, what was the enemy thinking? See, God's people, this is going to be a piece of cake. The enemy says, I'm going to go in. And the enemies of God right now are in power. They think they're winning. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. It's all going to be mine. My desire shall have its fill of them. I'll draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. There's no way we can lose. But you blew with your wind. And the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. It's, listen, it's not even a contest. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven when he stood against the Father. No contest. You didn't even have to lift your finger. You just blew. Just your breath alone. And the enemy melted away, never to be seen again. This is the power and the strength of your God. You might be in a crooked place right now, but God makes crooked paths straight. And he does it in a moment. I love this imagery. Because, you know, a lot of people worship nature. There is, there are, man, we're, we're not a Christian nation, but we are certainly a spiritual nation. So, you know, if Avatar 2 is coming out, yeah, great, I can't wait for more pantheism. If I hear one more stupid, did you hear this last week? Well, this flood, we're no more debate about climate change. This flood, it proves climate change is real. Like there was never a flood before the Industrial Revolution? Have there not? 
they're not been flooded 3,500 years ago. I love when Jesus speaks. He's sleeping in a boat. Storm comes up. The disciples are freaking out. They wake him up. Do you not care if we die? How many of you are right now today? That's where you think you are. Does he not see? Does he not care? No, Jesus does care. He's sleeping because he has everything under control. He gets up. It's not, it doesn't look like it's in control to us. But Jesus, everything in the palm of his hand. He gets up, he's like, all right, all right, calm down, shut up. Peace. This is who your God is. And remember the disciples' response. Awe overcame them. What manner of man is this who even the wind and the waves obey? Creation is not God. God created creation for his glory and for his purposes. Who is like you, verse 11, O Yahweh among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Who can any of us put next to you that can stand even close to who you are? Remember, the ten plagues defeated the ten primary gods of the Egyptian. The plagues dismantled every value system the Egyptians had. Before their very eyes, Ra cannot stand. Who can stand? Oh, Yahweh, only you. You alone, this is your God. You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love, underline that, the people whom you have redeemed. Know this, because we live in a biblically, theologically illiterate world. People who call themselves Christians can't even articulate the gospel. So know this. You didn't redeem yourself. God has redeemed a people for himself. He has chosen a people. And it wasn't the Philistines, it wasn't Edom, it wasn't some of these other people. He chose a man from Chaldea and said, new nation, new people I'm going to make out of you. All nations are going to be blessed through what I do in you. God redeems. Why? Well, he looked down the corridor of time and saw what awesome people we would be. <laughs> Arminians are so stupid. We earn nothing. In fact, the Bible tells us over and over and over again. All we like sheep have gone astray. Every, he chooses a people that doesn't even stay faithful to him most of the time. That's why he had Hosea marry a prostitute, Gomer. She kept cheating on him. He comes back to God after a couple chapters like, this woman who told me to marry, she won't be faithful. And God says, now you know how I feel. <laughs> Done everything for my people. And they're just so quick to sweep me under the rug. But even in our faithlessness, he remains faithful. Why? Why does God save anybody? 
there. You have led in your steadfast love. God is faithful to his people even when we are not. Why would you not sing a song of praise? Why would you not decorate him as he should be honored? We are saved by his mercy, his grace, his love, and nothing in and of ourselves that we have done to deserve. The peoples, you have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Those are the Philistines. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as stone till your people, O Lord, O Yahweh, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purged. This is all your work. Man, do we enjoy the benefits of being your people. And everybody else trembles in fear at your name for how you love us, have chosen us, have redeemed us. How you, we're going to see in a moment, have planted us on your mountain. Exodus has occurred, but God's people's problems have not ended. We read the rest of the Old Testament. We read about how the Philistines hated Israel. They fought against Israel. They killed its people. They stole its, its ark, its, its religious treasure, symbolizing the presence of God among the people. You know what I love about that story? Their God, Dagon, half man, half fish, mermaid, couldn't make up his mind what he wanted to be, I guess. Their God and their temple, they bring the ark of the covenant in there, and they come back the next morning, and the, the, the statue of Dagon's fallen to the ground. They pick it back up and put it back. They come back the next day. This time it's fallen off, and the head's broken off and rolled away. There is no idol that can stand before the presence of God. And people hate it when their gods are dismantled. So the Philistines are constantly fighting Israel. Uh, uh, Edom is constantly, Canaanites constantly fighting Israel. Why are we surprised when people fight us and hate us because of the God in whom has dismantled all their values, all their systems of faith, all their idols? Of course they're going to hate us. That's why Israel, every neighbor of Israel still today hates Israel. They would wipe her out in a moment if they had the political wherewithal to do so. They've always hated God's people. Why? Because God brings his righteous hand down and constantly delivers them from the... They just can't defeat God's people. And they hate it. The truth is... They'll keep trying, but they'll never succeed. It may look like they're winning for a time, but God always comes through for his people who are now both Jew and Gentile, male and female, gathered together in this new humanity called the church of Jesus Christ. It's who we are. The world hates us, but God is for us. So who can be against us? I'm having fun. <laughs> you will bring them in and plant them on your mountain, Zion, the place, O oh Lord, which you have made your abode. You are going to plant us where you are. 
We're your people. You bring us close. You plant us. We are grafted into that choice vine. What God is doing in the world. How dare we be ashamed of our gospel? How dare we be ashamed of his work in this world? The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, who was also the sister of Moses, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, verse 1, this is the refrain of the song, as all now God's people join in and sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Ladies, let me speak to you for just a minute before go ahead and flip over to Revelation chapter 15. We're leaving the song of the sea. God's people rejoicing and praising him in song by the sea to another sea. Where God's people we will see rejoice in his work that he has done. But ladies, let me, we see Miriam the prophetess here. Women can rightly declare the oracles of God. And that should be your goal, to rightly declare the oracles of God. As Miriam and the women join with the men and sing this song of glory to God. Here's what I know you've been hearing. Because the, the, the blessing and the gift that, I mean, I mean, what are the gifts that God has given women? You know, men don't get pregnant. I know there's a lot of men getting pregnant online. They're not men. You know how I know? They got a baby in their tummy. In their womb, whatever. The enemy is real because he has convinced women that the gift God has given is a curse. Which is why we're so upset that some states aren't going to allow you to kill your babies anymore. You've been hearing... Now, I got into this big time last service. I didn't want to do it this time, but ah, let me just do it. Because the feminist movement just didn't appear one day. It started out as the temperance movement. Back in the Wild West days, those mid-1800s, men just became turds. Uh, oh, yeah. We're still turds, but we were really big turds back then. Did you know the saloons are where paychecks used to be cashed? These guys coming in from the coal mines and the different jobs they had. They'd go to the saloon, they'd cash their check, and then they'd stay there. And they would stay there until the check was gone, passed out, outside, on, on the porch of the saloon. They were just terrible. The Wild West is a crazy place. And the temperance movement started really well. It's when all the wives who were back home with the kids, making sure the homestead was working because their husbands were deadbeat drunks, using all the money for his drink. They would come and they would sit outside the saloons. They'd gather together. They'd sit outside the saloons. And they would sing songs of praise to God. They would do Bible studies. And they would take names 
of men going in and how long they stayed and if they passed out and got so drunk. They would, they would take names and make lists and post them for everybody in the community to shame them. And rightly so, amen. I think that part's awesome. But unfortunately, the temperance movement became the prohibition movement. And, uh, you know, we got the 1920s prohibition out of it. And alcohol became a sin as a result because, you know, you want to stop a bad thing, but you don't want to go too far. Now, Jesus' first miracle was turning water into sin. <laughs> so the temperance movement started out awesome. But they saw influence. They saw power. And, and the temperance it became what we call the feminist movement today. And here's what the feminist movement tells you. You can't trust men. Men are all bad. You can't trust the Bible because it's patriarchal. Everything was patriarchal until the middle of the 1800s. Every culture, every system, everywhere. You know why? Because God created both male and female. And when God's creation works the way it's supposed to, it's good for everybody. We need Men who God made a little larger and a little stronger. Why? To protect and to provide for our wives and our children. That's the responsibility that God has given to men to lead, serve as head of their home and the head of the church. We need women to understand their role. Your role is not to sit back in a corner and not be part in all this patriarchy that the Bible is, guess what? Women, you see them right there with the men, worshiping God, honoring God, serving God together. This is what we want for four points. Strong men and strong women. JL women, tent peg women. You remember? You remember? In God's people, women have always been cherished. Oh, don't listen to their, their gaslighting bullcrap. You've always been cherished and honored in the house of God. And you will continue to be. The church needs its fathers. And the church needs its mothers. Amen? And both should receive honor. Revelation chapter 15, let's tie it up. We've been at the sea and we've heard a song. As God delivers his people. God has delivered. God is delivering right now. And God will, a final time, deliver once and for all. And we'll be standing and singing on the shores of another sea. As the enemies of God lay dead once again by his righteous right hand. This is happening. And it comes at the point in Revelation, verses tw chapters 12 through 14. We've got a dragon who we know is Satan. Then we've got two beasts coming out of the sea that, that war against God's people. And who are those beasts? The first beast represents the personification of corrupt, idolatrous, political state power. The second beast represents the personification of corrupt, idolatrous, spiritual, religious power. That's why, man, when people call themselves Christians, but they're not living with a high view of God's word, you know why. 
You can go by churches today celebrating things God calls an abomination. It says church, but it's not the church of God. Personify, the beasts personify corrupt state power, civil power, and religious power, and they war against God's people with banners of righteousness. See, when you don't have God's righteousness through Christ, you got to make up righteousness for yourself. Sarah and I had a little brunch yesterday at Salt and Pepper. You guys know that place on Cedar Crest? Great little place. You should go to it. This couple sat down next to us. And, you know, they had all their pride stuff on. and They were some of the most miserable people I have ever seen or heard. They couldn't use the silver. Do you have any plastic back there? Plastic? We do want plastic. As if all the metal silverware in the back is going to disappear because you're so conscious. They couldn't have regular cups. They needed, or maybe they were just scared to death of COVID. I don't know what the, I don't know what the deal with all the plastic was. Sent their food back three different times because nobody could get it right. I don't remember what the point I wanted to make was. <laughs> I just really don't like them. <laughs> People are stupid. Shut up. Praise God. All right, let's go. What has happened is happening and will happen a final time. Oh, the two beasts, spiritual power. We, we find right, right? That's what we're talking People who don't have the right have to find it somewhere else. And meat is murder. And all that stupid stuff. People just trying to find, oh, I saved the kitty cats. Sarah McLaughlin's my friend. <laughs> they give themselves to lesser things, trying to, to find righteousness so they can get rid of the guilt and shame that everybody on planet Earth has because we're all sinners. So they mask through false righteousness instead of Receiving the righteousness that comes from Christ, true righteousness through his perfect life and his death in our place for our sin. Reckoning, I've been telling you for 15 years here in Ackworth, it may look like people are getting away with what they're doing, but nobody gets away with anything. Reckoning is coming. The beasts will be finally defeated as will the great dragon of old. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. So we're gonna see. And also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with heart. What are they doing by the sea? As all the enemies of God have been defeated, they have harps in their hands and they sing the song of Moses, the song of the sea from Exodus 15. We will sing as God's people in a final battle, at a final sea, at a final exodus, the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb saying, we won't be, you know, I mean, that day is going to be Jesus, sword coming out of his mouth, fire in his eyes, 
Big old tattoo, king of kings, lord of lords. He is a warrior, and the blood of the enemies are going to rise to the bridle of the horses. It's a lot of blood. And when we see it, when we're swimming in that blood trying to get to Jesus, we're not going to be shrieking in horror. No, we're going to have a song in our heart. Great and amazing are your deeds. Oh, Lord God. Oh, Yahweh God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways. Everything you told us beforehand, you have done. The righteous in Christ have been saved and delivered and the unrighteous have met their demise completely away from the grace of God for eternity in the pit, a place Gehenna called hell. Just and true are you for doing what you said you were going to do. Oh, king of all the nations. There's a lot of kings who think they're kings, but there is a king of kings. His name is Jesus, who will not fear. Oh, Lord and glory, who won't decorate you? Who won't praise your name? You're the only one worthy who will not fear you. For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed. God doesn't do what's right in our own eyes. But everything God does is right. And true righteousness, when enacted, causes the saved, delivered people of God to rejoice. My prayer for you, my prayer for everyone watching, is that you will be part of that number with your harps singing glory and decorating Almighty God, who is the only one worthy of our worship. Let's pray. Father, Encourage your people, save sinners as only you can through the power of your spirit at the hearing of your word. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.